Um, but I want to begin, as I often do, by asking you a very simple question. If you could have one assurance in this life, what would it be? If you were to have one assurance in this life, what would it be? Now, for some of you this morning, you're going to say health. Health is one thing I would love to have assurance of. I would love to know that I could live my entire life and not worry about my physical health and not worry about my mental health. That I could live life at the very fullest and not ever have a concern about my health minimizing life to its fullest. Now, some of you may talk about your relationships, love. That you would, you would long for love to be the central part of your life. And that you could live knowing with full assurance that love is not ever wasted. That love is ever present. And that would be an assurance in your life. Now for some of you, it could be economics. It could be financial. That you would long to have a surety that your life is going to be at least comfortable. Now, for those of you here this morning that kind of thinking in your own minds about that particular question, I would, I would venture to guess that faith was not one of those. That to have an assurance of faith that would govern all of your life was probably not the one component that you probably thought of. And yet biblically, and yet biblically, faith is the most important thing. In fact, biblically talks about the centrality of faith being the most important thing to God. In fact, if you talk about health, if you talk about relationships, if you talk about resources, if you talk about all of those things... What should supersede all of those things is your faith. Here's the other part of it. If I was to say to you this morning, what is your greatest fear in life? I would also venture to say the very thing that you would love to have assurance of is the very thing. Is the very thing that is probably the most fearful in your life as well. The most fearful thing when it comes to resources, the most fearful thing when it comes to your relationships, the most fearful thing when it comes to your health is the thing you fear the most. And there's this huge tension, isn't there, between this faith and this fear component that happens in our lives. So welcome to a brand new series that we're starting That is called Faith Greater Than. And we're going to talk about faith being greater than whatever fear it has in your life. Now, I'm going to start with a theme verse. We have a theme verse um, for this series. It's a four-part series. And the theme verse is this, okay? Um, I want to read it very carefully because this is a powerful verse. You need to memorize this verse because this verse single-handedly speaks against many of the worldviews, many of the philosophical ideas, many of the religious views that people have. And it's a powerful verse. It comes out of Hebrews 11.6. So this is the theme verse for this particular 
um, series that we're doing. And it is impossible. I looked up impossible in the Greek. And you know what it says? Impossible. (laughs) It is impossible to please God without working really hard. It is impossible to please God without being really good. Okay, I'll put my glasses properly on. It is impossible to please God without faith. Now, I don't know about you, but that single line out of the Bible kind of decimates all kinds of argumentation. Well, they're a good person. Or they're doing what they can. Or they're being the best that they can. Or, you know, all, all the things we hear about what, what categorizes a person as heaven-bound. It is impossible to please God. No matter what you do, no matter how hard you try, no matter what section of, of, the, uh, the, of the planet you were born in, what, no matter what economic category you fall under, it is impossible to please God. Without this component called faith. Now, the rest of the verse. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. There's the qualifiers. There's two, there's two aspects, okay? Okay. Um, Here's, here's two aspects of faith that come out of this particular book. All right? The first one is believe that God exists. And this is not just any God, okay? This is really important coming out of the book of Hebrews. This is not just any God, but the one who has made his will known through the prophets and in these days through his son. Listen to the opening couple of verses of the book of Hebrews. Long ago... God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son, Jesus Christ. God promised everything to the son as an inheritance. And through the son, he created the universe. The son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. And he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. When he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down at the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. The book of Hebrews is all about Jesus Christ, period. If you want to talk about angels... Jesus is greater than the angels. That's the book of Hebrews. If you want to talk about Moses as a great prophet, Jesus is greater than Moses. If you want to talk about the sacrificial system, this is what I do. This is what I sacrifice. This is what I give. The entire book of Hebrews says Jesus is greater than that. Jesus is greater than anything. In fact, you know, I teach the book of Hebrews, and, and one, of, one, of the, one of the jokes I make in class is like the Sunday school lesson. Whatever the question is the Sunday school, the answer is Jesus. Okay? That's, that's the answer. And that's the book of Hebrews. No matter what argumentation the book of Hebrews goes through, whatever category it looks at, the answer is always Jesus. Always Jesus. So when it talks about believe that God exists... 
out of the book of Hebrews, we're talking about the only one that matters, and that's Jesus Christ. That Jesus is our perfect high priest. That Jesus is the perfect sacrifice. And not only, only is he the perfect sacrifice, he is the once for all sacrifice. That's important terminology coming out of the book of Hebrews because religious people had to keep sacrificing and sacrificing, sacrificing all the time. And basically in the Hebrew, in the Jewish faith, it was a sacrifice that was done every day, not yearly. There were sacrifices every day that had to be made. And Jesus is greater and accomplished once for all the sacrifice for all. Okay? Secondly, the reward. God rewards those who sincerely, sincerely seek him. The terminology in Greek on this whole sincerely, that it is a, a, a consuming part of your life, that it is something that you desire, and, and it's something that has a deep-seated need inside of you, that you sincerely want to seek God. And, it, and when you do so, God is the reward. You can't read this verse, by the way, and see the terminology of reward and think, you know, just because I ask God for something, he's just going to give it to me. That is not what it's talking about. Or I, or I desire better something or more of something, and God is going to give that. The reward that is, that is accomplished in the book of Hebrews is that the reward is God himself. That whatever you experience in life, whatever happens, whatever, whatever you know, valleys and mountains that you traverse through, God is ever present in your life. That God is the reward. That because of your faith, God is ever present, God is ever there, and he's ever hearing what you have. So God himself is the reward. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, faith Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about the things we cannot, we cannot see. All right? So that's the great tension. And, and for many of us, we live with this tension between faith and fear. And I want to talk a little bit about fear because fear is so self-evident in everybody's lives. You know, as a pastor, I can tell you what the, one of the things that I get invited to on a regular basis is the fear that's ingrained in everybody's heart and life and what, and what, and what they're anxious about in life. Okay? So we're going to, I'm going to take it to a passage right now out of Second, uh, Second Timothy that, uh, oh no, I want to read a, another verse before that. Sorry. Out of Romans 8.15, you have not, for those of you that are Christians here this morning, for those of you that are believers, you need to take this and, and, and see it as, as a something of encouragement. Whatever fear you're experiencing, whatever difficulties you're experiencing, this is a powerful verse. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit. When he adopted you as his own children, now we call him Ava, Father. The Jews were upset with Jesus when they heard Jesus pray and say, Abba, Father. 
this personal, intimate title that he used in his prayers to open his heart to our Heavenly Father. And it wasn't this distant disconnect, but very, very personal. Um, okay, I'm going to stop right now. I'm going to take a... Can we, can we use our imaginations this morning? Can we do that? You guys awake enough to do this? All right? All right. Okay, I want you to imagine something. And this is going to lead somewhere. Trust me. It's going to lead somewhere. All right? You've had to work really late. You're by yourself. Okay? You, and you've had to get this job done. It's 1 o'clock in the morning. And you're finally done the job. And you're by yourself. Some of you can relate to this. All right? You live six blocks away from your work. And you decide. And, and, and you're going to walk home. It's 1 o'clock in the morning. It's dark. And you're walking home by yourself. It's only six blocks away. So as you're walking down the street, total darkness, by yourself, you suddenly realize it's a full moon. It's deathly quiet. Tell me right now, how much anxiety do you think you're, you're traveling with? A lot, already. As you're walking down the street, you see this lone figure coming towards you. Okay, so do you cross the street? Do you stay on the road? Are you just being paranoid? What's going on? So as the person gets about 10 feet away from you, they stop. And they do this. All right, give me your wallet. Now you're sizing the person up, aren't you? And it happens to be a 15-year-old teenager that you could easily whoop if you had to. <laughs> and you're kind of negotiating, what do I do? And the kid says, come on, don't make me use this. Give me your wallet. So what do you do? You give me your wallet, right? You kind of throw the wallet. He kind of grabs it, starts walking the other way. What do you do now? As you see him getting off in the distance, two police cars come up. The neighbor that you were just in, a house you were just in front of and just got robbed, saw the whole thing going on and called 911. The police came, have caught the kid, and now they have him in the cruiser. So you kind of walk down there and the police go, all right, we, sir, we have your wallet. Oh, good. I'm glad you got my wallet. Did you get the gun? Sorry, sir. But you were held up with a banana. <laughs> what do you think of yourself now? That you let us... <laughs> You were just held up by a banana. Yeah. Okay. Simple story. 
simple story. Sue, what are you going to add to this? Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's only six blocks away. Um, okay, how much, okay, for yourself, how much, how much rational fear and irrational fear is part of that story? I would argue that the vast majority of that story has irrational fear attached to it. The darkness, the full moon, the walking alone. Um, you know, the young, the young kid, you know, the only rational part of the fear in that entire story is the robbery itself. And even then it wasn't as bad as you thought it was. The whole point being, the whole point being is you think about the story of your life. You think about the trajectory of your life. How much are you living with the amount of an irrational fear in your life? And how much, when you get to the actual problem, when you get to the actual event, you, you know, you find out it's only a banana. It is interesting, too, though, that the police will still treat it as if it was a real gun and still charge the person. They won't say, they won't say, they won't say it was only a banana, so no harm done. Because they recognize what fear does in a situation like that because the only thing that made you give up your wallet was fear the point being is that for each and every one of us there is something like that in our lives that really when we think about it it only ends up being a banana so what does scripture have to say about this Here's 2 Timothy 1.7. Paul is writing to Timothy. And Timothy is the person that he's passing on the leadership mantle towards. And Timothy is young, relatively inexperienced. And he says to Timothy that God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity. God has not given us that fear. God has not given us that timidity. We don't need to be afraid of the shadows. We don't need to be afraid of the dark. You know, even though those things can be real fears. But there are irrational fears that happen in our lives all the time that limit us. And it makes us look at the shadows. It makes us look at the the areas of life. And it causes us not to trust God. And I love this because he says, but God has given us a spirit of power, of love. And of self-discipline. Now I've got to tell you. I, 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 I sat in my office. And thought about this for a, a long long time. I don't. I'm, I'm intrigued by the fact that the Apostle Paul. Writing to this young man. Who is just starting to get into ministry. Starting to kind of. Kind of. You know. Build this influence for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he says. You know. Power. Love. And self-discipline. Why would he pick those categories? Why would he pick that, 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 those, those words to encourage Timothy? Here's, here's what it is. God has given us power. We don't need to fear the external things in our lives. That's the first part of it. We don't need to you know, fear the things that are happening outside of it. How many of us feel powerless and, and feel like we can't control the situation or the circumstances around us. 
And, and, and we lose this ability to feel like we can make a difference. But God has not given us this spirit of fear and timidity, but of power in the name of the spirit of God. Man. And yet there's times in our lives that we can feel powerless, that we've got no control of the circumstances and the situations in, in our lives. And yet faith, this beautiful, beautiful thing called faith can carry us in moments when we feel powerless. Second is this thing of love, uh, relational. How, you know, how many have a fear of vulnerability? A fear of, of, of putting ourselves out there. This is so relational and it's so biblical and it's so gospel oriented. This gospel of love, this understanding that Jesus sacrificed for us. So that we can be new creations in him. And this fear of vulnerability that, you know, if you don't experience love at all because you're just afraid to be vulnerable to people. God has not given us that, that fear. And the third thing is this self-discipline. This fear of failing. It's an, an internal thing. That whether, whether it's an external fear that you have, a relational fear that you have, an internal fear that you have, God has given us power over all of those things. That God has given us his spirit that we do not have to feel helpless. Have you ever been down rapids? Have anybody gone, gone down rapids? You know, and... and, and have you, and have you felt like you are in control? Not a bit. Not a bit. I remember, I remember watching this big rock come closer as we're on the rapids. Okay? It's a good thing I had a helmet on. Right? But you can feel so out of control. And for many people, that's what life can feel like. This last thing of self-discipline is really, really, really important. Because self-discipline is the, is the ability to feel like you have control when everything else is out of control. The really, you know, the, 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 the best guy, you know. I mean, did you notice the guy who took it down the rapids, by the way? Not a thing was bothering him. Remember Jesus in the boat? He's sleeping. And the disciples are freaking out. No! Jesus, guys, what's the matter? Right? You know, just kind of, you know, said, hold on. And, and Jesus, you know, said, hold on. He, I think he meant it for the disciples, but the whole lake went quiet. You know, you know, kind of making a mistake. It's like raising Lazarus, right? He had to be very specific or everybody would have been raised. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Right? But this whole idea of self-discipline, when you're in control. Do you know, I just read an article saying the people with the most self-discipline are the happiest people in life. Kind of counterintuitive, doesn't it? Because it seems like the... Um, you know, don't have a grasp on, <laughs> on life for many of us, but, but that's, that's the difference. 
And I think Paul intentionally used these three categories, and I'm, I'm going to call them categories, this power, this love, this self-discipline, because Paul was very much aware of the fears that we all have. And, and, and if I'm, I'm going to ask you honestly, any fear that you have is going to fall under any one of those three categories, no matter what it is. Sometimes we are the biggest impediment in our lives we are so fearful of success we're so fearful of failure we're so fearful of being creative we're so fearful of 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 reaching out again we're so fearful of of you know putting ourselves out there or being vulnerable or any of those kinds of things but god hasn't given us that kind of fear of timidity and 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 just being afraid of the next shadow that shows up Here are two points I want to make out of all of this. That the deeper we grow in faith, the more difficult for fear to gain a foothold. This is often very counterintuitive, but it's very scriptural. This is, faith is the most important thing to God. I've said this many, many times. We think what we do or what we sacrifice or how we do it are the, are the things that God is looking for. God is looking for our faith. And sometimes we do things that God isn't very happy with. And we think that we're doing it and we're doing it for God. But what you're actually doing is defaming the name of Jesus and defaming the church that he died for. And the reality is, the reality is that God is more interested in our faith, that it's more precious to him, as it says in in, in 1 Peter, than gold or silver. The very things that were valuable at that point in time, Peter's using as an illustration that really what we think are important to God isn't necessarily important to God, but our faith in Jesus Christ is the most important thing. And yes, do I believe that at the end of life there's a test? Absolutely. I think at the very end of life there is a test and it's a one-question test. What did you do with my son, Jesus Christ? I think all of life comes down to that very, very bottom line. And I think there's so many good things that are done in the name of humanity and all of that stuff. But remember, it is absolutely impossible, impossible to please God without faith. That there's something about having faith attached to what you do. That your faith in Jesus Christ attached to what you do that makes all the difference in the world. That there's just something about that. That God honors and values. And the deeper we grow in our faith, the more difficult for fear to get a foothold. Here's the, here's the second thing. And I think, and, and we've experienced this all over the place. Even in moments when fear has us in its grip, we can still move forward in faith. Listen, whatever you're fearful of today, and it has you at a standstill... And you're kind of up to, the, up to the line and you can't go any further because fear is sort of holding you back. The one thing that can move forward is your faith. That no matter how fearful you are, your faith will carry you beyond that fear. 
Have you ever, have you ever, you know, been with someone that says, you know, and it's, it's, and they've experienced something incredibly difficult, incredibly difficult. And you know, and they tell you that the only thing that they have is their faith. Because when all is said and done, when all is gone, when all the pain and all the trauma, all, all of that stuff, at the very end of it all, faith is the only thing that's going to matter. Faith is the only thing that's going to carry you forward. When, when everything else has been jettisoned behind you and it's kind of like a train wreck there, you can sort of leave it behind and you can walk forward knowing that faith will carry you. That Jesus has you in the very palm of his hand. And though everything else feels decimated and you're at ground zero, faith can still lift you out of that and carry you. That's the power of faith. And yet it's the most neglected part of our North American culture. Can I say that? Or it's the most misidentified, um, even ridiculed. Can, in fact, why would you think faith would be so ridiculed in our culture? If it didn't mean something, if it wasn't important, faith is vitally important to God. And you know what? If you're going to bother to be a believer, can I just, can I just say this? If you're going to bother to be a believer, wouldn't you want to please God instead of try to rewire God to your way? There are moments where your experience is not going to be what you want it to be. And you're going to be saying to God, God, I want you to change this experience. I want you to change the circumstance. I want you to change what is happening here. And God's going to say, no, no. Uh, The reason why it's happening is that I'm not really interested in the circumstance. I'm not really interested in the situation. But I want to see where your faith is. You see, that to God is the most important component of all of this. And when all is said and done, that is the one thing that you carry into eternity. You can't carry all this stuff that you've been decimated with and all this stuff that you've been so fearful of and concerned about and caused anxiety and stress. This stuff is gone. The only thing you can carry forward is your faith in Jesus Christ. That's the beautiful thing. Um, As many of you know, um, Christianity lost a giant last week in Eugene Peterson. Um, Absolutely a, a pastor to pastors at 85 years old. The Lord called him home, and uh, I know he personally impacted my life in so many ways. Um, very, you know, there are very few resources as a pastor that doesn't have his stamp or his name attached, attached to it. And he had an interview um, some time ago with Jonathan Merritt, and they were talking about the end of his career in public ministry. And 
Peterson told him that, I, that he was more curious about death than fearful. He goes, I have no idea how it's going to work out. He says, but one thing's for sure, I am not, I am not afraid. I'll tell you that. I've been with a lot of people who are dying. I think those conversations are some of the best that I've ever had. By the way, I, can, I concur with this. I've been with a lot of people in the, in the last days of their lives. And some of the most powerful conversations I've had is in those wee hours. He says, these are people who have lived a good life and who have embraced their faith. They are not afraid. They are not afraid. You know what uh, the family released after, after Eugene passed away? The family released that one of the last things he said as he was dying was, let's go. Let's go. What are you afraid of? What has you in its grip this morning? What is it that's causing you to kind of live life in a minimalist way because you, you haven't got the courage to answer even a call from God? What is it about you this morning, for instance, you may be fearful of just making a profession of faith in Jesus Christ because you're afraid of what people are going to say or you're going to f- afraid of, you know, how this is going to affect my work or you're going to be afraid of what it is. What is it that you're afraid of? Maybe, maybe you know, maybe, maybe your fear is, is being vulnerable and you've got this fear of, you know, timidity and, and what it could potentially do. And yet, how is your faith affecting that? Our faith is the most blessed gift that we have. It is what allows us to move forward, even in the midst of the most difficult situations and circumstances of our lives. I have, a, you know, I have, I have friends that say every night they go to bed fearful for their kids, fearful for their relationships, fearful for their jobs, fearful for what the next day is going to bring. And I say to myself, how can you live like that? What you need is Jesus Christ in your life and get a good night's sleep. And stop, and stop letting the shadows, stop letting the shadows run your life. Faith is greater than any fear you presently have in your life. Amen? Amen. Praise Jesus. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for a message about faith. So much of what we hear in our culture and our world around us diminishes the value of faith. And yet, Lord, we know, we know that it is the most important thing for you. Lord, I pray that we would not, we would not allow the shadows to rule over us. That we 
would trust you. Because in essence, that's what faith means, is to trust you in the moments where there is nowhere else to turn. So, Lord, we thank you for this gift of faith that we have. We pray that you would help it to multiply. I pray that you would help to challenge those this morning who are living more in fear than trusting you. Because, Lord, you have the future and the present in the palm of your hand. And you have us in the palm of your hand as well. Because you love us and seek the best for us. And thank you for sending Jesus to die for us. So, Lord, may we live as resurrected believers, not as people still in the tomb. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.